Welcome to uh, the unnamed NBA Draft Podcast for now. I'm Trevor Andershock with Drew Davis. Um, just a little bit about ourselves here to start off with. I've been in the uh, high school scouting game for college coaches for about 10 years now. I'm working with Indiana Basketball Source and now Peace.com. I'm just really focused on player evaluations and getting players to the next level. I've you know, evaluated players all the way from D3 to Big Ten level. And really like each each level has something to bring. And I enjoy breaking down players of kind of every category and all walks of life. So that's kind of the next step is to start breaking down NBA prospects. And that's what me and Drew uh, hope to do here. So I'll let Drew uh, introduce himself as well. Yeah, so I've uh, been, I guess you could say, in the scouting game for probably three, four years now. I started out kind of uh, my own venture with uh, Indiana sports coverage, covering uh, Indiana men's basketball. And I, I kind of did that for, I want to say, a year before uh, I moved on to uh, Peaks.com, where I, I was there for a year covering just mainly the guys Indiana was recruiting and their targets and uh, spent a lot of time in gyms going to AAU events, whether it was uh, Nike, Adidas, or the, the non-shoe uh, circuit events was in there watching a lot of guys that we're probably going to end up talking about. So it kind of comes full circle. And uh, now I, I work a uh, full-time job, but I, I do a little bit of work for Trevor on the side for Indiana basketball source. And like he said, you know, we, we look at guys at all levels, whether it be NAIA all the way up to Division One, And uh, it's just, you know, something I really enjoy doing and uh, enjoy watching the progressions that these guys make over the years. All right, Drew, let's just jump right in here. Now that we have our introductions um, set away, let's dive right into uh, Jalen Suggs here. And I think listeners are going to realize how we're going to break down each episode. We're going to go through, uh, you know, a potential lottery pick, a first round guy, a second round guy, and then kind of a wild card. You could, you know, either slide into the second round or be a, uh, potentially undrafted free agent that has a chance to make it in the NBA. So we're not just going to look at the top guys each episode. Um, we're going to try to do many episodes and as frequent as possible so that we do come back around to top guys often, but we're going to try to focus on the whole entire draft and kind of go from there. So let's start off with uh, Jalen Suggs, Drew. Um, what's your kind of just your broad thoughts on him so far? I've, I've really liked what I've seen from Suggs so far. And uh, coming out of high school, he was a guy that I was pretty high on uh, out of Minnehaha and uh, up in Minnesota. And uh, first, a little bit of background on Jalen is I, I think he's a pretty good athlete. You know, in high school, he was he's a two-sport guy, play, played on the gridiron. Uh, probably could have played Division One football if he would have devoted himself to that. So that tells you a little bit about the type of athletic profile you're looking at. And, uh, I think he's got, you know, pretty good size for a point guard. He's about six foot three, six foot four, right around there. Uh, and the thing that I really liked seeing from him this year is uh, I feel like he's he's done a better job creating and uh, finding his teammates. And the, uh, the other thing for me going into his uh, freshman year here at Gonzaga, my big question mark for Jalen was, how is he going to shoot the basketball? That's kind of always been the thing with him. And this year, he, he's not taking – a ton of three pointers. I think he's only shooting just like three and a half a game and he's shooting yeah. around like 36% this year. 
and on that team, that's really all they need him to do because you know he's playing with you know two two potential All Americans. And for me, I I see like when I watch him play and see him go downhill with a basketball, I think he does a good job of kind of changing speeds, throwing the defense off in that in that way. And I think he also, you know, being a good athlete, he has a good body control around the basket when he goes to finish. That's that's something that's definitely stood out to me. And another thing that has always stood out for me with Jalen is he's not a guy that seems to really force his way into a game. Like he he's a good feel for the game. He's going to let it come to him instead of, you know, trying to just go out there and take over. Uh, that's another thing that always stood out to me. And like uh, the other thing that he's done a good job for this Gonzaga team is, you know, when you when you're point guard, you're playing with weapons around you like Corey Kisper and Drew Timmy and some of the other guys they have. You want to push that ball in transition and get those guys opportunities to get into spots that they can attack. And that's something I've noticed a lot with Jalen this year. He does a good job of pushing the ball down the floor. And uh, I think that will be, yeah, yeah, you have something you want to add on him? Yeah, kind of just expanding on that. He's, he does a great job from a guard position of getting into the defensive rebound, hitting the boards really tough, and like you said, push it up for those guys. And, you know, that kind of stood out for me. You don't see many guards, especially, you know, Suggs likes to be a point guard and handle it a lot, get into the defensive boards and, you know, bring it up for him. So I think that really adds a lot to his game, especially for Gonzaga right now. I know, I know, and I think that's – I think that's where kind of, you know, when you look at his like quarterback skill set on the basketball court, that's where it comes in, comes into play. Like he goes to push the ball down the floor and he goes to like, you know, kind of distribute the ball to his other guys and understanding how to use his weapons that are around him. Yeah, definitely. And like you were saying, he's really patient with the ball too. Um, They'll post him up some and he just takes his time. You know, he's got that, that polish to his game where he's not in a hurry, even though he's a freshman playing on a big stage even those early season games against, you know, top-ranked guys. He really showed nothing like he was a freshman in those situations. He was just running forward, you know, kind of expected to succeed, and you don't see that from freshmen very often. No, you don't. You don't. And, I mean, mo- and you got to think about most freshmen aren't entering a situation where they're walking in and they have Corey K- Kispert flanking them on one side. Oh, you want to dump the ball down the post? You got Drew Timmy. So I think he did it he was wise in making his decision on where he went to school in terms of uh, his development, helping him as a, uh, you know, a player n- not to be able to show his strengths at Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to his athletic profile, um, I definitely agree with everything you said. You know, he's got great size for a guard, um, wide shoulders, long arms, good build. Um, I would say he's got quick feet. You know, he's a good athlete. Um, great for the college level. I put him just kind of in the good category for the next mm-hmm. level for the NBA. Like he's not a Russell Westbrook freak athlete where he's just blowing by guys and dunking all over him. But he does have a quick first step and you know he's a good overall athlete, especially when he gets out of transition. But in traffic I would just call him probably, you know, closer to a good athlete than, than great. Yeah, I would say I would say that's definitely a very fair assessment. The The other thing that I've also really liked from Jalen this year, I'll, I'll let you kind of expand on this too, is I think he does a good job defensively of really, you know, seeing a pass and anticipating where it's going to go and jumping those passing lanes. Yeah, that's one of the things I actually wrote down. I thought he anticipates really well. Um, he plays in the passing lanes every game. He's getting one or two steals, you know, just getting his hands on it. 
I thought he also he collapses a lot. I don't think it's from mm-hmm. overhelping. He's just seeing the situation and being able to read it to get those extra steals. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, like I said, I would kind of throw in the rebounding into his defensive ability. So I think there's a chance for him to be a really good defensive guard in the NBA. Oh, most definitely. And the thing I like about Jalen as well is he seems very willing on that end. It, you know, if there's a good, you know, perimeter player, a guard on that other team, he wants he wants that matchup. Yeah, no doubt. And um, kind of going back to the offensive end, um, we've kind of hit on a little bit, but, you know, he's a good finisher, but he's not a guy that lives at the rim either. No. Um, I think that kind of plays back into he's a good athlete, but not an elite guy. Um, so he, he, he pulls up in kind of in the floater range a lot and he's had great success with that so far this year, but, you know, I think that might hold him back a tiny bit from being that like MVP level type of guy in the NBA where he's just not getting to the rim whenever he wants, but he's shown that he can get away with it with the floater game he has. Yeah. And that's something I was going to note. I, I think he could even even utilize that part of his game, you know, more as he goes on to that next level, because it's, it's clearly a major strength for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of, we'll go all the way back to like his freshman career or not his freshman career, his high school career. Um, he played three years with team sizzle at the 17 U level. I think that kind of played into his factor of being ready for this situation at Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of stepping in and knowing how to play with those older guys that we mentioned before. Um, and to go back even a little bit further, one of my uh, favorite anecdotes is I saw Jalen when he was in sixth grade uh, playing in the old GMBA for NYTLA sports. And obviously he stood out then. And um, obviously you can't really project him to be like an NBA player from sixth grade, but he has progressed and kept that kind of same athletic profile and skill level throughout the years. And that's, that's tough to do when you're that good that early and then just keep maintaining it for years to come. I know. Cause you see so many guys that may be a little bit more physically developed or, or stronger than those other kids that they just kind of, you know, fizzle out as they get older. Yeah. And, Maybe his football career did help him in that situation where he's, you know, he's always focusing on two sports instead of just being a basketball player. Like you said, he had high major offers for football as a quarterback. Uh, so I think that might actually a lot of people thought he would be a football player in college just because he was such a good quarterback. So I think that does play a factor into his overall development too. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Like that's, that's something that I think made him not only, you know, tougher, but it, I think it helps if a basketball player with their vision and being able to see things by going on the football field and playing quarterback, have to make those reads and anticipate things. Yeah. And, you know, we've mentioned he's a quarterback. Where do you um, kind of project him at the next level in the NBA? Like what position, what roles, where do you see him excelling? I, I see him in a league guard role. Uh, be, being the main guard on a team. And I, I think that's a, a role he'll really flourish in, being that, you know, you, you you can obviously play another primary ball handler alongside him because he has good size and, you know, he's a good defender. But yeah. I, I think he's good enough to be be the lead guard for a team and, and kind of just take over and run the offense and facilitate for others. And like you said, 
use that in-between game to kind of free up a lot of things for him? Yeah, I think his versatility could be a big factor here, a big positive. Like you said, you could play another smaller guard with him since he does have that good size. He's going to be able to guard either a point guard or shooting guard in the NBA. So, yeah, I like that that versatility as well. My biggest thing, if he's going to be like a lead guard, is he going to be a playmaker enough to uh, kind of fill that role in, at the NBA level? Like right now, I'd say he's picking up a lot of assists, but it's more just on ball movement, right? Finding the open shooters, and you know, obviously Gonzaga's got plenty with Corey Kispert <laughs> and those guys. This is a comp that I was going to kind of throw out there. I'm not saying like this, you know, level of a player. I, I think he'll be better than this. But stylistically, I kind of see some George Hill to, in his game. Yeah, I would say George w- might have been a little bit more of just a natural scorer, at least in oh, college. Yeah. And then he changed, obviously, he changed his game a lot going into the NBA. But you definitely have a lot of the same uh, physical profile and size, athleticism. Um, both have great wingspans. I think George is just outrageous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Isn't it close to like seven foot or over seven foot? There's a six I'm pretty sure it's right in that right in that ballpark. Yeah, that's just crazy. And I know I haven't seen a wingspan for uh Suggs, but it looks, you know, plus four, plus six, somewhere in that range. So obviously still a really good wingspan. But yeah, I, I can get along with that comparison. Yeah, my my thing for Jalen, looking at his game that he really has to improve is the biggest thing for him is just work on that jump shot. Just keep working on it and get it more and more consistent because you know it has he has good form. He's shown the ability to go from all right, I'm going from a senior in high school and I'm a better shooter as a freshman in college. Now the tools are there for him to make another jump. It's just going to come down to putting in the work on. Yeah, and I I noticed he does take a lot of you know dribble threes, but they're more. He has space. He's getting a rhythm. You know, he's taking a couple bounces to get a good rhythm. The defender's slacking off a little bit and stuff like that. Instead of, he's not like Steph Curry coming up and drilling threes off the dribble like that. But it is, I think it's still a pretty good sign that he can knock down shots without just being a spot up shooter. Going no, that's definitely encouraging. That's very encouraging. I, I know there's a lot of guys out there right now and, you know, the college basketball world that they're saying, oh, Jalen Suggs, the number one pick. And trust me, I, I've always liked Jalen. I've been higher on Jalen than a lot of guys, but I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I, I think he's a good three to five. Like that's where I would have him. And I think the team's going to be very happy to be getting him there. Yeah. I, and I haven't broken down, you know, a mock draft or a big board yet to, say exactly where I would position him at right now, but I'm I'm on board with you. Like he he doesn't stand out as that number one pick to this point at least. But yeah, he's definitely in consideration and at least in the top five I would I would definitely slot him there. Yeah, I'd be I'd be stunned if he falls fast five. All right. Uh any last words on size or should we go ahead and move on here, Drew? I think that pretty much covers it with Jalen. All right. Um, let's just go on, and I know you're familiar with uh, this Louisiana State uh, Tiger, Cam Thomas. Uh, we kind of slot him in that first-round range, probably out of the lottery right now, right. but definitely think he's going to be a first-rounder. Um, what are your initial 
thoughts on uh, Cam Thomas? Uh, Cam's a very interesting player. Like going in uh, to college and coming out of high school at Oak Hill, I was kind of thinking a little bit of, you know, kind of a gunner that doesn't exactly shoot, shoot a lot of good shots. We, he's just a volume scorer. And I mean, that's kind of in the case at, at LSU, but I think he's improved a little bit in his shot selection from time to time. It still needs to get better. Don't get me wrong, but he's not just, you know, having the same free will that he did in high school to do whatever he wanted. And I mean, I'm looking at him as, you know, a big time shot maker that you, you're never going to see him lacking confidence. Like there, he's, he's got that J.R. Smith syndrome when he walks in the gym, he thinks there's a, every shot he takes is going in. He's one of yeah. those guys. And uh, the way I look at it is he does have the ability to score anywhere up on the floor. Now, I think this is very interesting. He's taking like seven and a half threes a game and only making like 2.5 of them, I believe, yeah. which, you know what that's telling me, with as good as he is at getting to the rim and using his first step and as good as he is at getting fouled, why does he settle that much? Yeah. My biggest thing would be he's basically playing a one-on-one game. Mm-hmm in a five-on-five setting. Like, he doesn't really, for my initial viewings of him, he doesn't really view it as a, you know, five-on-five, <laughs> find the best shot. It's how can I score on this possession? And that's kind of where I think a lot of those shots come from. Like you said, he's he's only shooting 29%, 29.5% on seven threes a game. But he's actually he looks like a good shooter when he has his feet set and he's got some room, you know, off the catch. Seems like he's consistent in that situation. But like you said, he's taken so many threes and they're so forced and contested. It's just dragging down his uh, three-point percentage right now. I know, I know. And I thought his last game out against Tennessee was one of his better performances. Uh, you know, he played 36 minutes in that game. He only shot 16 times. And uh, on, I mean, he he still put up, you know, eight threes, but I thought he did a good job of, or a better job of playing within the flow of the game instead of, you know, forcing some things like he had been doing, you know, the last couple of games. Yeah. And um, like you mentioned a little bit before, um, he's his free throw rate, you know, his field goal attempts divided by his uh, free throw attempts, 44.5. That's really high for a guard. So like you're saying, he knows how to get fouled. Um, why isn't he trying to get to the basket and create those fouls a little bit more? That's my kind of expanding on your thought there. But um, kind of going back to his three-point percentage, he's got like the Reggie Miller leg kick on pretty much all of his threes. I'm wondering if that also drags down his uh, percentage a little bit. Yeah, no, that's that's another thing I was going to mention. He is always trying to get fouled on a shot. Like, he is kicking those legs out relentlessly. And, and you know, sometimes it just messes messes with him, I think. Yeah, he's always on the floor. It seems like pretty much every possession he ends up on the floor asking the ref why he wasn't getting a foul call there. No, exactly, exactly. And the other thing is, like he'll show glimpses of being able to create for others. And then you, you'll sit there and you'll watch it and you say, why don't you do that more often? It's one of those things where like, it's like he can, but he chooses not to. One of those yeah. kids. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I would definitely call him a non-playmaker for others. Like when he's got the ball in his hands, he's looking for his shot and how he can either score or get fouled. 
he's not really looking to move the ball or, you know, no. set up somebody else. I think when that happens, it's kind of either by accident or it's a last resort. But more often than not, if he touches it, it's going up. No, exactly. Exactly. Like shot selection is a big thing he'll have to learn going into the NBA, learning how to pick his spots, like you said, and, and learning how to be more aggressive. Because, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if he's going to take some crappy three, that's just giving in, giving the defense what they want. Because this guy can get to the free throw line pretty much yeah. any time he wants. Yeah. And how is he going to transition to like an NBA offense um, where he doesn't get the ball? every single possession like he is right now. He can't just end up trying to run to the ball like he does on many uh, LSU possessions right now and and try to score from there. But uh, another thing I kind of like about his game or, mm-hmm. or his shooting, he does a sidestep a lot that you see in the NBA, mm-hmm. you know, either off the dribble or against closeout. He's sidestepping for that three instead of um, pulling up for like a mid-range shot. So I think that will help him going forward as he gets better at that as well. That's definitely something in his game that I've I've liked because I mean you see so often those guys in college the, the, when a guy goes you know run, running hard on a closeout they'll kind of duck, go under him, take a step forward and shoot that too. And you're like, wait, why are you shooting that? You can get a wide open three. Yeah, definitely. But the other thing I was going to say about Cam defensively he's he's pretty bad it's it's just more so a lack of effort like there was a couple times Saturday in that game against Tennessee where I want to say it was Keon Johnson shooting the basketball and you know we we know Keon Johnson he's not a guy that you're jumping out of your shoes to close out on just little things like that and he's like he's really notorious for just getting beat off the bounce too yeah like you said I mean most of it's his prep work where he's just standing around watching the ball, doesn't really know where his guy's at. He's not really aware of what's going on. So at this point, I mean, he's a not even a negative defender. I mean, I think you just put him at like a zero defender. <laughs> he's barely even on that end right now. I know, I know, and I think that defensively, in learning how to play within the team concept, are his you know biggest weaknesses because. I mean, you you look at games where I've watched LSU this year, and they'll just look completely out of sorts. And a lot of times, it's just when Cam's just kind of off on his own agenda and doing things, and it knocks that whole team out of gear. Yeah. Um, kind of circling back around, like, where do you project his shooting to end up in the NBA? You know, if he can take a little bit better of a shot, and you know, playing in the flow of the offense a little bit more, what do you think his you know likely outcome for a shooter will be? I think he could be, you know, around a 38% guy from three. I mean, the thing is, the guy has a good shot. He's got good mechanics. It just comes down to knowing what shots to take and what shots not to take. Because I, I'm, I'm completely sold. If he buys into that, he could be a damn good player and, and potentially be one of those guys that, you know, you, you either have in your starting lineup or a guy that comes off the bench and his job is just to go out there and get buckets. Kind of like, you know, uh, the Jordan Clarkson role. That they have in Utah, something similar to that, maybe. Yeah, here's a uh, comparison I was kind of thinking of. Um, what about Carson Edwards from Purdue? I can um, see that. I you can know, see both that. of them. Both of them have those shooter mentalities. Uh, Carson never quite took as bad of shots as Camwell at Purdue. He had a little tighter leash at Purdue, so mm-hmm. he never took you know 
five contested shots every game as a freshman like Cam is doing. But, yeah, he, he developed into a really good shooter at Purdue after shooting, like, you know, 34% from three as a freshman. And, you know, I think – I think Cam would probably be around that range if he was taking a little bit better shots right now anyway. So I think they're kind of in a similar ballpark there as at least offensive players. And then Carson ended up being a decent defender, but he was never the most active guy, especially early in his career at Purdue. No, no. It's just kind of, uh, you know, lackadaisical early in his career at Purdue would be the word I'd use for this, you know, describe his defense. Yeah, I mean, and, and Carson's, you know, he's battling for a role in the NBA right now, but I would give the advantage to Cam, you know, obviously being a freshman and putting up this points, obviously puts him ahead of Carson's uh, projection. Mm-hmm. Plus Cam is a bigger player. You know, he's got at least two or three inches out. So I think that plays a factor in kind of giving him a higher projection than Carson Edwards, but. I think their overall styles kind of match each other. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, what overall role will you see from Cam, though? What do you think his kind of like top of the line um, outcome is for his NBA career? If everything goes correctly, he could be a high-level scoring guard in the league. Just it just straight go out there and get buckets type of guy. Like I don't ever see him being able to create for others. Like that's something that, I mean, if you, if you haven't done it up until this point, can you, can you really become that guy? If you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you think he would ever be, where do you think he ends up like in either like a starter role, all-star role, bench player? Where do you think he likely ends up? In the- I, I could see him more that, that microwave guy that comes off the bench for a team. Yeah, that's that's kind of like where I'm thinking. Obviously, upside Zary's still really young, only a freshman at LSU. So I think there's a chance for him to be, you know, a steady starter in the NBA. But like you said, maybe his style would work better off the bench, even if he's, you know, the third or fourth best player in the, on a team. You might still bring him off the bench just to give you a little punch. No, exactly. Exactly. All right. Um I think that's about all I had for him. Um, the only thing um, I might add is for a guy who handles the ball a lot and is looking for a shot, he doesn't turn it over. And I no. think, you know, obviously part of that is he just shooting it before he does turn it over. But <laughs> at least you have that positive of you're getting a shot up instead of giving it to the other team. No, exactly. And I think also uh, he's a guy that, He's just fortunate that at LSU he's able to play alongside another guard that can kind of handle the ball and create create for others. And I think that's something that you, if you're going to play Cam Thomas, you got to have a, a point guard out there with him. Yeah, yeah. So you're likely, you know, you can miss you know, you can match him up with you know either a you'd almost need like a taller playmaker to go with him because I don't think Cam right. would match up too well with most shooting guards in the league. No, no. Um, so you'd probably need to play him with a taller playmaker, uh, shot creator, those type of guys, and give you a little bit more flexibility on the defensive end too. But um, sure. all right, I think that. Uh, you have any last thoughts on Thomas? I I think that pretty much covers everything for Cam. 
Okay, let's move on to uh, John Petty of Alabama. We're kind of sliding him into uh, the second round category right now. Obviously, a lot will change before the draft, but that's kind of where a lot of mock drafts are projecting him right now. So we'll go ahead and go along with it. Um, Petty's another guy I saw really early in his high school career. He came Same. to the, uh, the famous John Lucas camp in Louisville. Um, in 2014, and he stood out there. Um, that was, I think, that was the first time I saw him. Obviously, a really good AAU career as well. Um, but what's uh, kind of your profile on John Petty at this point, Drew? Yeah, like you said, I've I've seen Cam or uh, I've seen John for you know a number of years, going back to the Marshall County Hoop Fest when he came there with Jimison. Uh, I just remember him being a guy that looked like he had all the potential in the world, but it just kind of depended on his buy-in, but I've really liked the way he's progressed at Alabama, especially under NATO. It's just really kind of seemed to give him the confidence and, and unlock his game to a whole nother level. But I mean, the thing about John Petty is he's, he's an outstanding shooter shooting, I think right around the 40% mark for three during his yeah. four years at Bama. And I mean, he's dropped off a little bit from his junior to senior year, year. but when you're still converting over 40%, it's hard to complain about that. Yeah, especially on that volume. Whenever you're shooting more than five a game, I think that adds a lot to your projection as a shooter at the next level. Um, under, you know, if you're only shooting three, four, or five a game, you're probably picking out the best open shots, and right. you're probably not getting the the best projection to the NBA level where most shots are contested um, relatively to what the college game sees. So. Like you're saying, once you're shooting that many and you're around 40%, that says a lot about his, his ability. Yeah, and the other thing that I think he's shown more of an ability to do this season is score on the move. That's something that, you know, was kind of up and down like the last few years. But this year, I feel like he's really, you know, done a good job of like kind of solidifying himself in that area. Yeah. Um, kind of going back, like as a freshman, he shot 242 threes for Alabama. And he's kind of – he's not taking as many anymore, but that's a ridiculous amount for a, a freshman. He shot 37% during that year. Um, and he, he's not attempting that many anymore. And, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's that number just popped out at me as a freshman shooting that many threes. Uh, that was pre-NATO. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and then kind of just breaking down his shot. I don't think it's a pure release. Like there's, for me, there's like a little hitch in it or something. Definitely. Kind of an aiming, some type of thing. But it doesn't seem to affect his range or results too much. You know, obviously you would like it to see just a pure one motion shot. But um, he's made it this far shooting well. And I, it, my biggest thing kind of going into this breakdown was how does it affect his range? And, I saw him take a lot of contested threes from like, you know, four or five feet behind the college three point line. So, and they look good and he had a ton of them. So I don't think it changes his, his shot too much going forward. Right. Right. Um, What do you think? Where do you kind of categorize his shooting? Like, is he a great shooter, elite shooter, good at the next level? Where do you put it at? I wouldn't go elite. I would say a really good shooter. That's where I would have him at. Yeah. 
But my my thing with him is he he's kind he is what he is. Like what what you see is what you get. Like he's not going to create his own shot. He can get a little shrieky at times. That's one thing I did notice about him watching him in the SEC the last few years. Yeah. And the other other thing is in the last or uh, like the the beginning of his career, he was like a turnover machine. Like he was really plagued by turnovers. But I mean, it has gotten he has improved in that area this year. I will say when I was watching some tape on him, man, he. T- he just turns it over on some terrible passes. Like mm-hmm. he thinks a guy will be in one place and he throws it there and nobody's there. Or the pass is just way off the mark. It's kind of mind boggling. Like, how are you committing these turnovers when you're this good a player and you've played at this high level for four years or like, how does this happen? It's kind of just confusing to me at this point. And, and it's been, it's been that way since he was in high school too. Like, I remember his high school coach. He's kind of, you know, old school guy. I just remember, you know, the couple games I saw from him at Hoop Fest, like he was constantly wanting to pull his hair out, you know, after (laughs) Cam would make, or John, excuse me, would make just some silly decisions. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty interesting. And then like you say, he doesn't really create his own shot. It's all mostly spot up things for uh, Alabama. Uh, you know, he's a good athlete, so he'll cut to the basket once in a while and get a dunk here or there, get an offensive rebound, transition here and there. But for the most part, he is playing that spot up three uh, kind of role for, for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, and at the next level, he's going to be a guy that probably has a, a, a no dribble rule where, you know, you don't want to put in the ball on the floor. You're going to run him off screens. You're, you're going to get him an opportunity to just score the basketball. You know, maybe like a a CJ Miles type of a game, or kind of like how how Corver was used, where they they just don't want you, you know, putting the ball on the floor because you're you're a liability when you do that. And where his greatest asset is getting to his spots and rising and firing. Yeah, um, obviously the the role for him at the next level kind of sticks out as a three and D type of guy. Do you think he has that ability to just be that specific specialist as a three and D guy to make it in the he's, he's he's definitely got the shooting ability. That's no question in my opinion. But he's an I call I would classify him as an average defender. That might be being a little bit generous. But I look at it and I look at his tools and his athletic profile. There's no reason he shouldn't be a capable defender and be a good three and D guy. But the question is, will he buy in on the defensive end? Yeah, from what I've seen, you know, he's posted great uh, defensive advanced stat numbers. So that makes you think he's got that potential to be a three-and-three guy. But when you watch his game, I mean, he's got some bad closeouts. He kind of loses his man here and there, kind of get lost watching the ball, things like that. So you start kind of debating if he can really be that lockdown defender at the next level. Um, I definitely think he's got a lot of room to – to improve there to uh, be that three and D guy. No, exactly. It just, it comes down to buy-in and does, does he want it bad enough? That's literally what it's going to come down to. Yeah. One guy that kind of stood out as maybe a comparison for him. I would call him like a poor man's Mikel Bridges. I, I can definitely th- see that. I think he's just a tiny bit shorter, not quite as good a shooter as uh, Bridges ended up being at Villanova. Um, and then obviously Bridges was a really good defender for uh, Villanova as well. I, I The other area I would give Mikel an advantage over Petty is I feel like Mikel definitely has a higher basketball IQ. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. So I would definitely go like a poor man, 
Bridges for Petty. Um, I don't think I don't think he has a ceiling as uh, what Bridges is even producing right. in his uh, second season for the Suns right now. But um, let's just kind of break it down. Do you where do you think his defensive game ends up in the NBA? Do you think he puts it all together and becomes a really good defender? Or where do you think it ultimately ultimately ends up? The thing I'm not going to bet on him putting it together defensively because I mean. Ish, like, but you said, but here's the other thing that kind of makes me question that. Like you're saying, advanced numbers wise, he grades out well. Yeah. So it's like, are the number are the numbers you know telling me the truth, or is it a bit of fool's gold type of situation? So, I mean, for me, I'm not gonna bet. I'm not gonna basically believe it until I see it with him. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Um, I think that wraps it up for. Uh... John Petty. Let's move on to our last guy. Uh, I think each episode we'll kind of throw in a guy we we like that can make it in the NBA, but it's not really showing up on many draft boards right now. Um, and this week we're going to start off with another LSU guy since uh, Drew loves him so much. <laughs> we'll go no. Javante Smart here, Drew. Uh, what stands out about Smart's game that you think he has a, a chance to excel in the NBA? Or at least not, not even excel, but, you know, make it in the NBA. I think the thing for me that has stood out watching Javante kind of progress from high school to freshman to a sophomore to a junior. You look between his freshman and sophomore year, I thought he got better as a playmaker. He, he learned how to play the lead guard spot more instead of just being a scorer. And between, you know, his sophomore and junior season where we're at now, I thought he really worked a lot on his shot and he came back and you look at, what he's shooting like 44 percent from three leading the sec and three point shooting percentage and he's taking what five a game so i think that's it's pretty solid and i think that for me is an area that i've really liked what i've seen from him this year yeah and uh kind of going back to uh where it all started for me was smart i saw him play aau against uh, the mac urban fire mm-hmm. in las vegas he was going to be a freshman in high school and uh, performed well. I forget who was on that Mac Irvin team, but I'm pretty sure it was like the Jalen Brunson group, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in that range. And, you know, he was knocking down shots left to right, even as an incoming freshman at the 17-year level. So that kind of always stuck in my mind that he was a shooter, um, but it kind of didn't play out until this year that, you know, he was that. Yeah knockdown shooter again so it's kind of funny how that first impression sticks with you forever when you know throughout most of his prep career and in the start of his college career he's more of a I don't know if you'd call him a pure slasher but more of a pure scorer than a shooter yes the shooting part just always stuck with me right right and like I think the other area of his game that I've liked what I've seen is I think he has solid point guard instincts. I wouldn't call it great because he's not a natural point guard. That's what you have to know. You have to know with him. And like, I really felt like the the area of facilitating is he's grown in that area of setting up his teammates. He's still not great at it, but he's like I said, he's solid. And I mean, there are times where he makes some decisions with some passes that you're like, ooh, you can't be throwing that. But that I think that comes from him not being a natural point guard. Yeah, and he's kind of in that petty mold where he's he turns it over a lot for the amount of times he's handling the ball. But like you said, he does rack up some good assists. He will, you know, turn the corner and look for that shooter and stuff like that. So 
I think there is some upside to his playmaking ability for others going forward, but you just don't you don't see it come out too often for LSU. No, no. And I think the other thing that I've seen with him is uh, he does he does a good job of attacking the basket. He doesn't just settle. Like there there'll be some games where he'll he'll start just falling in love with the jump shot, and you you got to think, hey, you got to remember, you know, what your game is. You you got to get to the basket. And you got to attack. And I thought against Tennessee on Saturday, he did a really good job of just you know getting into the middle of the floor, taking that straight line angle to the basket, and beating guys off the bounce. And I feel like he does finish pretty well around the rim. Yeah, from everything I've seen, I mean, he's got good, uh, good finishing numbers. Um, I wouldn't call him a great finisher, but he does finish well around the rim, and I think that I think there's a lot of you know creativity around the rim. He's not just going over the top of guys. He's got different shot angles and things like that that he'll need to use against uh, shot blockers at the next level. So I think that is a positive going forward for him. Um, what are the chances you see? Um, smart making it in the NBA, you know, playing more than a season or two in the NBA? I think it's all going to come down to a couple areas. I, I think defensively will be huge. And there, so there's times at LSU where you watch him and you say, all right, he's a good defender. He does a good job of reading passing lanes. But I don't feel like he brings it on that end every night. It's kind of like picks and chooses his spots on that end type of guy. So that, that's going to need to become more consistent if he wants to, you know, stay in the league. Because when you're an undrafted guy, you got to do those type of things. Like that's a yeah. that's a big deal. And the other thing for him that I think he needs to grow in is he's got to value the basketball, like you said, and he's got to be advanced even more with his ability to make reads. Yeah. And for me, I, I would say that um, Smart's kind of NBA career comes down to um, his shooting ability for sure. me. I mean, I think he's got to be a special specialist. And can he get to that level where he can just make it in the NBA based off his shooting alone? Um, he's kind of another guy I don't think has a pure release. Like, it looks a little low, yeah. it's kind of a low release type of thing. So he's... He needs a little bit of room to get that off. And if you're going to be a, you know, just a knockdown three shooter, you're not going to get a ton of space in the NBA. So I want to see how that would transition to, you know, the highest level of basketball. Can he translate to be a 40% three point shooter in the NBA? And that's the games where he struggled this year. Like you said, uh, he needs that space to get a shot off. But you, you think back to the two Alabama games, they had their lead guard just up up in him, you know, not giving him any space, and he really struggled. He's a guy that I think – I kind of do think he needs the ball in his hands. You know, like he plays off the ball. I don't think he's as effective because, you know, you don't ever – how many times do you see Javante just, you know, hitting catch and shoots? And I don't think it's very much. Yeah. And then kind of just overall, what do you think about the ages of John Petty and Javante, you know, playing a factor in if they get a chance from the NBA or if they're going to stick? Yeah. Petty's at 22 right now. Um, Smart will be 22 around the NBA draft time, or probably, you know, if they move the draft back again this year, like I assume they will, he'll be 22 by that time. Do you think that's going to hurt their uh, chances to make it? Kind of limit their upside at all? I think it hurts them a little bit more so. I think it more so hurts you if you're, you know, like a first round lottery guy when they're looking at you, because they're kind of looking for upside there or what you can be. But when you're looking in that second round, you're either looking for, you know, hidden, hidden, hidden gems or you're looking for guys that you think could be a good role player for you. 
And yeah. I don't think the age will be as big of a factor as many think many think at that part of the draft, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, I agree with you. I mean, if you're going for a second-round guy, um, my overall draft philosophy would be still going for a younger guy. Just give yourself a little bit more right. room of uh, of upside. But I don't think – these guys are still relatively young. I mean, you're only going to be 22 by draft time. It's not like you're – 24 year old seniors and really tapped out like a Taj Gibson or something like that. <laughs> but, I know. Um, just through these four guys, you know, for their specific category and stuff, who do you like most and who do you think will excel, you know, as either, you know, Suggs is a lottery guy, um, Petty is a second round or smart as undrafted wild card guy or Cam Thomas is a first rounder. Like, where do you think? Or who do you, who's your favorite for those specific tiers? I uh, think Jalen Jalen Suggs is my favorite. Uh, I I feel mo- more confident about Jalen's. Like if we're looking at our tiers of the draft, of Jalen meeting the expectations for his, his tier of the draft, if you know what I'm saying, because I think he's the total package. I feel like if I'm t- if I'm a GM and I have a top five pick, I feel very confident that if I take Jalen Suggs, I'm going to get someone that's dependable, someone's going to work on their game, someone that's going to get better. And someone that's going to, you know, just really buy into the whole team concept and knows how to play. Yeah, I agree with you. If we're going off confidence levels for those categories, I think Suggs is there. I really don't see there's much risk for him not panning out, you know, barring the injury, of course. But, you know, most of those injuries, especially for NBA medicine, I mean, they usually recover anyway. So I don't think there's a ton of downside to his game. I think it's pretty much all upside for him going forward. So my confidence level in him painting out as, you know, a top tier lottery pick is pretty high right now. Which guy do you have the least amount of confidence of meeting his expectations for his tier? Um, I would go, it's tough to say, you know, Javante smart since he is that wild card possible undrafted guy. So the, you know, the bar's pretty low, but, I just don't see him having a great chance of, you know, playing two or three years in the NBA right now. I I don't see him as that elite shooter or, you know, good enough with the ball in his hands to make it. But uh, what are your thoughts on the kind of my evaluation smart there? I think that's very fair. I I think the biggest thing is for him, it's like you look at him, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the strongest guy. Like all the natural stuff, he's at a disadvantage at. And I think once you get to the NBA, that that's an area of your game that you're you're gonna need. Like he's gonna be going like like we were talking about with the kids from Alabama that was you know giving him trouble. He's gonna see guys that are up in him, you know, using their link to disrupt them. And that, that's that's an area where I think he could tap out and kind of reach his ceiling as a player. Yeah, definitely. All right, any uh, last thoughts here before we wrap this uh, first ep- episode up, Drew? No, I, I'm just uh, excited to get this going and kind of break some more guys down. Yeah, I definitely think our format is going to be a little bit different than a lot of people. And I think it will keep it, you know, give it a little bit more entertaining, a little bit more freshness to it going out until the draft. And I think that will be fun to uh, fun to do. We'll, we'll have some special guests on here and there to, you know, get some specifics for people that cover these prospects day in and day out as well. So that should be fun. All right, so uh, we'll wrap up this first episode. Thanks for your time, Drew, and uh, look forward to uh, doing more of these with you. For sure.